working as a hospice chaplain. I've had the opportunity to work with some wonderful nurses. The two primary traits that make them such excellent caregivers are their compassion and their skill. Not only do these nurses feel deeply for these patients and their families, but they are highly skilled medical professionals. And to be a good caregiver, you have to have both compassion and ability. It's not enough just to have compassion for somebody if you lack the ability to give them the care they need. At the same time, no amount of skill can make up for a lack of compassion. To care for someone well, you need both compassion and ability or skill. In the scripture we're going to look at this evening, we see in Jesus the perfect combination of compassion and power. More than any other, Jesus is able to take care of us. His boundless compassion, His infinite power make Him the perfect caretaker. Tonight, the title of the message is simply, Jesus will take care of us. I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. We will begin in verse 30. In these verses, the disciples are returning from their first time of doing ministry on their own without Jesus present. Last Sunday night, we studied the passage where Jesus sent them out on their own and we learned some principles there for doing ministry. Well, now, when we begin the Scripture tonight, they have returned from their ministry. They've gotten a taste of ministry, both its joys and its struggles. Now keep in mind, the time is going to come when this is going to be their permanent reality. Ministry full time without the physical presence of Jesus. They're going to be going out into a hostile world to preach. And they need to know that when that day comes, Jesus will take care of them. They need to know that when the day comes when that short-term mission trip on their own becomes their permanent reality, they need to be convinced that Jesus will take care of them fully, completely, perfectly. Please stand and let's read our scripture for tonight. Mark 6, beginning in verse 30. The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to Him all that they had done and taught. And He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. The people saw them going, and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, 
This place is desolate, and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves. And he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up twelve full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. There were five thousand men who ate the loaves. Please be seated. In the last few messages, we've been learning about ministry in a culture of unbelief. In Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, we saw the nature of unbelief and how unbelief makes ministry difficult. In verses 7 through 13, we were given principles for doing ministry in an unbelieving society. And this morning, in verses 14 through 29, we were confronted with some sobering realities about ministering in a culture of unbelief. Realities that include even the possibility of death. Now, we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been commanded, commissioned, and authorized to proclaim salvation in His name in the midst of a world that is often hostile and unbelieving. We need to be convinced that as we go in Jesus' name, He will take care of us. As we give ourselves to the work He has commanded and equipped us to do, we need to rest assured He will take care of us. So the question we're going to answer tonight is this, how does Jesus take care of His disciples? The scripture we're looking at tonight shows us three ways. Obviously, we could list an infinite number of ways Jesus cares for his own. But tonight, we're going to focus on the three specific ways given to us in these verses. Here's the first way Jesus takes care of his disciples. He calls us to rest. We see in these opening verses the Lord's sensitivity to the need of His disciples as they return from their ministry tour. Oh, they come back to Jesus with excitement. They give Him a thorough report of their ministry. They tell Him about the works of power they've performed, casting out demons and healing people. They, they tell Him what they've preached and how it's received. You see, they're excited because this is the first time Jesus has ever given them the power to do miracles. This is the first time He's ever turn them loose on their own to preach the good news of the kingdom. Now, I want you to notice how Jesus responds when He hears about all they've done and said. Verse 31. And He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place 
and rest a while. There are several things I want you to notice about those words. First, I want you to notice he said, Come away, not go away by yourselves. Come away. You see, the point is not just to, for them to be alone away from the crowds. The point is for them to be alone with Him. He could have said to them, look, you guys get alone by yourselves and get some rest. No, no, no. He says, come away. Come with me. The point was that they needed to be alone with Him. The second thing I want you to notice about these words, He says they were to go to a secluded place. Some versions will translate it a desert place. It just means somewhere uninhabited. It doesn't mean sand and cactuses and geckos, you know, like we might think of in the, in the desert. It's just an uninhabited place, a place where nobody lives, a place where they could go to escape the crowds. It's the same word used to describe the kind of place that Jesus sought out when he wanted to be alone with his father. Mark 1.35 In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. First he tells them, come away, come with me. Let's go to a secluded place. Third, the reason for their retreat was to rest a while. You see, Jesus' disciples had been surrounded by people almost constantly. They'd been teaching and healing and ministering to people virtually non-stop. And if you look at verse 31, you'll see it says, there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Surrounded by people, no time to stop, not even long enough to get a bite to eat. Listen, the point here that Jesus is trying to get across to them is, what they as disciples needed at this moment was to be alone with their Lord. They needed to withdraw from the people and be alone with Jesus. They needed to unplug. They needed to step away. They needed to be still. They needed to be renewed and refreshed in the presence of Jesus. So what do they do? Verse 32, they get into a boat, push away from the shore, and leave the crowds behind. This is what I'm trying to get you to see. Because he cared for them, Jesus called them to come away with him, spend time with him, to rest and be renewed and be refreshed. A lady was cutting my hair one time and we were talking about having teenage daughters. We both had teenage daughters. She had multiple teenage daughters. And she said, when girls get to be teenagers, something just comes up out of hell and gets a hold of them. That wasn't true with Christian. Honestly, Christian was never anything less than an absolute joy. She was never rebellious. She was never disobedient. She never drank or smoked or chased after worthless guys. She got a full academic scholarship to William Carey University. She graduated summa cum laude with a perfect 4.0 GPA. She married a wonderful Christian man, the only guy she ever even had a date with. Now, I'll be honest, I attribute every bit of that to the goodness of God. 
But one thing I cannot overlook is the role that my wife played. You see, from the seventh grade on, we homeschooled Christian. After the sixth grade, we took her out of public schools. And for the next six years, she was alone with her mother at home every day. And she saw. She saw Angela's diligence to carry out her daily tasks day by day. Any of you that have gotten to know my wife well knows this. My wife is 150% dependable. She is faithful to do what she will do, what she must do. And she also heard Angela sing and pray throughout the day, which she does every day throughout the day. You see, my daughter saw how Angela acted at home. She was under the influence of my wife all day. And I want to tell you something. The time she spent with her mother for those six years was formative. It is a large part of the reason Christian is who she is is because of that time she spent with her mother. You see what I'm trying to say to you? The Lord knows how much we need to be with Him. Why? Because the time we spend with Him is formative. It shapes us. It recharges us. It renews us. It refreshes us. And because He cares for us, He invites us to come away with Him. Listen, if you don't take time to withdraw from the world and rest in the presence of the Lord, two things are going to happen. One, you will eventually become useless in service to the Lord. And two, your spiritual joy and vitality will suffer. Jesus invites you to rest in His presence because He cares for you. Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. See, here's the problem some of you have. Some of you see time alone with Jesus as a burden and a duty rather than a blessing and a delight. I will say that again. I think it's important enough to re repeat. The problem some of you have is you see time alone with Jesus as a burden and a duty rather than as a blessing and a delight. Listen, if that's you today, if you're honest enough to admit to yourself that that's really true about you, then I would beg of you to get on your face before God and plead with Him to transform the way you think. Would you beg the Lord to alter and adjust your attitude? And just say, Lord, awaken my soul to the blessing and benefit of resting in Your presence. I urge you, Daily to rest in His presence. Take time every day to step away from the noise, step away from the busyness of the world, retreat from all other activities and distractions. 
Come away and rest in the presence of Jesus. Read and meditate on the Scripture to receive His encouragement and His instructions. Pray and unburden yourself of all your cares and worries. Give thanks and praise to Him through songs and prayers. Listen, I urge you, beloved, rest daily. And I want to also urge you to rest weekly. Listen, what a precious gift the Lord's day is. Oh, how we need a day to cease from the stress and strain of the everyday. A day to unplug from the hustle and bustle of society. We need a day to rest and worship in His presence. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Our worship blesses God, but it doesn't benefit God. See, God is perfect. He is in need of nothing. There's nothing we can do to benefit Him. There's nothing He needs. He can't be improved upon. Our worship blesses Him, but it benefits us. You understand? He commands us to worship Him because it blesses Him, because He deserves it, but He also commands us to worship Him because He knows the blessing it is for us. Listen, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but when we gather together in His presence, we receive wisdom for our way. We receive joy for our journey. We receive strength for our struggles. We receive healing for our hurts. All of these things and so many more happen when we gather to Him. Sometimes, what the sheep need more than anything else is just to be with the shepherd. Because He cares for you. Jesus is calling you to come away and rest a while. Listen, how does Jesus take care of His disciples? The first way He cares for us is by calling us to rest. In verses 33 and 34, we see the second way Jesus cares for us. He teaches us the truth. The disciples' private retreat with the Lord is not a very long one. They get in the boat, and the Scripture tells us in another location that the place where they got out of the boat was Bethsaida. That was a, a journey by boat of about four miles, which would have taken a little while in a boat of that day. You had a sail and you had oars, but it would have taken a while. But when the trip was over, the retreat was over. Verse 33. The people saw them going and many recognized them and ran there together on foot. Got there ahead of them. So when they got to shore, the crowd was already there. Now you might think Jesus would be irritated to, that his R&R &R with his disciples was being interrupted. But he wasn't. Look at verse 34. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. He felt compassion. The word compassion is more than just pity. It suggests a desire to help. He felt pity for them to the point of being moved to action. My own personal definition of compassion is sympathy with feet. Sympathy that moves, that does something. 
Why did Jesus feel compassion? It says because they were like sheep without a shepherd. This is a metaphor for a lack of leadership. Especially a lack of spiritual leadership. This phrase was used in the Old Testament to describe the people of Israel. In the book of Numbers, chapter 27, verses 15 to 17, Moses knows that he will not be with the people very much longer. And so he prays to the Lord and says this, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who will go out and come in before them, who will lead them out and bring them in, so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like sheep which have no shepherd. You see, Moses knew. Without strong spiritual leadership, the people would quickly wander away from the way of the Lord. Without leadership, they would lose their distinctiveness as the people of God. Without leadership, they would begin to look and act like the rest of the pagan people around them. They needed strong spiritual leadership to teach them the Word of the Lord. They needed strong spiritual leadership to guide them in the path to blessing. They needed strong leadership to steer them away from the dangers of false teaching and sinful practices. And you see, when Jesus got out of the boat, what He saw was a people who had no such leadership. The priests, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law had failed as spiritual leaders. So how does Jesus respond to this group of sheep who lacked a shepherd? It says He began to teach them many things. How are God's people to be led they are to be led according to the teachings of God's Word. So what does Jesus do? He teaches them God's Word. The people had no direction, spiritually or otherwise. Jesus provides that direction by teaching them the truth. Think about this verse, a verse you all know, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Where do we get direction? How do we know which way to go from the Scripture? Jesus gives these wandering sheep the direction and leadership they need by teaching them God's Word. Listen, the tool that God has given to spiritual leaders to equip us to be shepherds is the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What equips the man of God? The Word of God. Listen, in a little while, Jesus is going to feed these people physical bread. But their greatest need at this moment is to be taught the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, when Jesus saw this crowd of people, He saw spiritual confusion and lostness and people without any real direction in the things of God. And it stirred His heart. It moved Him. So He gave wandering sheep what they needed the most. 
in that moment, He gave them the truth. Do you know what the letters of the New Testament are? They are shepherds leading the sheep. In Galatians and Colossians, Paul is protecting the sheep from danger by confronting and correcting false teachings. In 1 Peter, Peter is giving the Lord's sheep direction for being faithful in the face of trials and suffering for their faith. In 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, Paul is teaching Timothy and Titus how to be faithful shepherds themselves. Listen, Jesus is still shepherding His sheep by teaching them. Think about it. He's given us His written Word. He's given us His Spirit to help us understand and apply the Word. He's given us men to teach and preach the Word to us. And He even refers to these men as what? Shepherds. Acts 20, verses 28 and 29. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. Understand, Jesus is still teaching us by His Word, by His Spirit, through His servants. This is how the shepherd cares for His sheep. He teaches us to guard us from the danger of sin and error. He teaches us to keep us traveling on the narrow way that leads to life. He teaches us so we can grow to full strength and maturity in Him. He teaches us so that we can be productive and bear fruit. He teaches us so we can know how to experience His joy and His peace. Don't you see? One of the ways that the Lord cares for us, leads us, gives us direction, supports us, strengthens us, is by teaching us. How does Jesus take care of His disciples? We've seen two ways. He calls us to rest. He teaches us the truth. Now let's look at the third way He cares for us. We see this in verses 35 to 44. He meets our every need. In verse 35 and 36, we see what I would call a reasonable request. The time had gotten to be late afternoon. This is the time when Jews would normally have their main meal of the day. Well, Jesus has been teaching them most of the day and the disciples realize what time it's getting to be and so they say, look Jesus, send the people away so they can find some food. Remember, they were in a desolate place, a secluded place. There were no shops or markets and no thought that these people had taken time to pack up food for themselves. So the disciples say what would seem like a reasonable thing. It's time for these people to eat. They're going to need something to eat. Lord, send them away because we're in a desert. There's no food readily available. Let them go to the villages and towns surrounding us and get provisions. Seems like a reasonable request, but they get a somewhat confusing response in verses 37 and 38. 
Jesus answered them, You give them something to eat. The disciples say, Lord, do you want us to spend 200 denarii on bread so that we can give these people something to eat? A denarii was a day's wage. Do you want us to spend eight months of wages for a common laborer today? Say they make $100 a day. Do you want us to spend $20,000? Because even that would only give these people a taste. There were 5,000 men plus women and children. That much bread wouldn't even begin to feed a crowd that size. So Jesus says, well, what do you have on hand? They say, well, we have five loaves and two fish. You'll remember from the account of Matthew that they said there was a little boy who gave them his food, which was five loaves and two fish. They were small fish, dried and salted. They were flat round loaves, like biscuits or wafers. And this was enough food for a person, but not for 5,000 plus women and children. Well, I want you to see the divine provision. In verses 39 to 41, Jesus makes the people sit down in groups of 150s. This makes the distribution easier. Look at verse 40, 41. He took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves. He kept on giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. So Jesus gives a blessing. The traditional Jewish blessing was something like this. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the world, who bringest forth bread from the earth. After the blessing, He divides the bread and keeps dividing it and keeps dividing it. And every time He breaks it, there's more. Every time He breaks it, there's more. And He keeps giving it out and breaking it, but somehow it just never runs out. He does the same thing with the fish. He divides the five loaves and two fish among the 5,000 people plus the women and children. And there was, we see in verses 42 to 44, an abundant supply. Verse 42, they all ate and were satisfied. That word satisfied means they had all they wanted. It doesn't mean they were gorged, but it means everybody did, had eaten all they wanted and they didn't want any more. They were full. Not just content. Well, I've had enough. No, they were full. 5,000 men plus women and children fed from one person's lunch. Not only that, look at verse 43. And they picked up 12 full baskets of broken pieces and of the fish also. 12 baskets. These were large, heavy baskets, like wicker baskets. They were filled with leftovers. Twelve baskets. Think about this. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Every disciple has his own basket. Every disciple is carrying an object lesson. That basket 
is a lesson to that disciple. Never doubt the Lord's ability to provide. Jesus made sure they own, they each had their own object lesson. Never doubt the Lord's ability to provide. Now, I need to make sure you get something. The lesson here isn't simply that Jesus can provide the food we need. He can. That's not the primary point here, however. I need you to understand something. Jesus is doing something only God can do. What's He doing? You say, well, He's multiplying bread and fish. He's creating bread and fish. You understand? He only had five loaves and two fish. The only way you can have more than five loaves and two fish is to do what? Create more. Was he, was he multiplying it? Yes. But in the act of multiplying it, he's creating more from nothing. Who's the only one who can create? God. Jesus is showing us who He is. He is the Son of God and in Him dwells the very power of God Himself. You see, this miracle is intended to show us that He can meet our every need. Why? Because He is God. As we give our lives to follow Him and carry out the work He has given us, we can do so knowing that He will meet our every need. As we trust Him, He will give us the provisions we need for life. As we trust Him, He will give us the courage and boldness to face this world in His name. As we trust Him, He will give us the strength to remain faithful when the world is hostile to us. As we trust Him, He will give us protection from the evil one who would love to destroy us. As we trust Him, He will give us joy and peace to sustain us in the work. Don't miss the lesson of the loaves and fish. He is God and there is no need that He cannot meet. Let me try to sum all this up for you. Rest assured, church, Jesus will take care of His disciples. He calls us to rest. He teaches us the truth. He provides for our every need. You know what that means? You understand what that means? That means we can give ourselves fully and completely to penetrating the unbelieving world around us with the gospel. And we can do so without fear or worry. Being absolutely confident that we will be taken care of. Let's pray.